palabra sea el que me envió a la palabra de Welcome to Our Vision, Change the World with Dr. Joaquin G. Molina. The following message was shared by Pastor Molina at his home church, in the city of Miami, Florida. This message, along with other teachings, are available at Spring of Life Fellowship. For more information, you may visit us at our website at www.solmiami.org. Here with you, Pastor Joaquin G. Molina. thanks tonight for your goodness in our lives. I give you thanks, Lord, for the most precious calling that you have extended in our direction, that we would even have an ear to hear and to listen, a heart to uh, be drawn towards you is a miraculous uh, gift that you've given us, the gift of repentance, of turning and listening to you and walking in your direction. So we pray, Father God, that it's, uh, as we see Jesus on the cross, and fulfilling the purpose of God that we enter into the rest, we know that you have carried the weight and the burden of all things that would hinder and frustrate us. Allow us to see tonight, Lord, and enter into your rest that it's not by power nor by might, but by the Spirit of the Lord. It's not what we do in our own strength and our own ability and our own wisdom that achieves what brings pleasure to your heart. But it's allowing us to understand that yours is the power, yours is the honor, yours is the glory forever and ever. And you will finish the work that you've given us to do. And the work is large. The harvest is great. And we want to press into strength. But let us understand tonight where our strength lies. And prosper your word in the hearts of your people so that we might become all that you have called us to be, and that we pursue everything that your heart desires. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Power of the resurrection on Sunday was powerful as we see God coming back from the dead and offering us his power. But definitely, we need to be wise about the power that God has given us unless we're gonna develop some uh, serious um, serious uh, ulcers in our stomachs and, um, and we're not going to be able to carry the weight of everything that God has for us. And some people will be like this young man trying to uh, raise the bar and um, it's going to make for a, a serious sad countenance for you to be able to carry the weight of the greatness call of the high call that God has for us. And so I just want to tell you that God's purpose in this life is that we would reflect that joy and peace that Jesus had as he lived upon the earth doing the great uh, miracles and the great, um, the great feats that God had for him. And I, I want to tell you that, that God is, makes no exceptions of person. He's called you to very powerful things in this world. 
But if you try to do it in your own strength, uh, it's not going to go anywhere. And it's going to be obvious there's not going to be any joy in your countenance. Uh, there's going to be a withdrawal from your participation. Enthusiasm is going to be uh, stripped. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, the Bible says, This is the way that our love is made perfect. Herein is our love made perfect. This is the full work of God. The full expression of maturity is that we may have courage to stand on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Uh, Jesus was never uh, going about with a stress that enabled him to have compassion and relate with others and connect. Um, he did this uh, pretty admirably and um, his life was an inspiration on every front. And you're to be like him in this life. Uh, God has called us to great work in the ministry. God has called us to great, he says the words, he that is the greatest among you, let him be like a servant. And if we're not careful, our service could really strip us of our joy. Our getting involved and, and you'll see it, and I've seen it for years. If, if you've been part of any ministry work in the Lord, you see how people start changing colors and getting frustrated and say, I need to go to the restroom. Well, they don't have to go to the restroom. They got to go cry. They got to go take a breather. They got to go recompose themselves because they've become decomposed. And so Jesus wants us to have the fullness of the presence of God and understanding of the strength that allows us to serve when it seems so impossible. It seems so impossible to love. It seems so impossible to walk in the perfection of our call. And so if we're going to stand before the throne of God with boldness, it requires us for us to know um, that our, our strength is equipped um, by taking on the character of God. In John 17, 22, Jesus prays for us as he's about to leave the earth. And he tells the Father, I have given the glory which I gave, which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. So that they're in that, in that bond of, of love, there's unity to be one, to be able to have greater strength, um, to be able to be a team, to be able to... to uh, forget about doing things that are just going to strip us of our strength. I don't know about you, but without the Spirit of the Lord, we lean upon worldly wisdom. And the worldly philosophy tells people, play to your strength. Have you ever heard that? Do what you're good at. Try to... Um, Impress people by letting them know what you know. Tell people, you know, I got this covered. This, I'm used to doing this. And that's worldly wisdom. Play to your strength. And the reason the world says that is because when you play in weakness, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable to criticism. You're vulnerable to things that expose you for not being able to do what God 
uh, has you to do. It says like this, you may have more to gain by developing your gift and leveraging your natural skills than by trying to repair your weaknesses. This is a systematic way to discover who you are at your very best. Can I, can I be honest with you tonight, who we are at our very best? Who are we at our very best? We are a real disaster. At our very best, we get frustrated. At our very best, we will tell somebody how far they could go. At our very best, we cannot love. We cannot have patience. So worldly wisdom does this because they say, uh, disguise your weakness, in other words. Don't let people know where you're because they're going to criticize you. They're going to point it out. They're going to exasperate. They're going to irritate. And it says the sting of criticism lasts longer than the, than the balm of praise. People, when asked to remember four things in their memories, the natural tendency for a human being is to remember the negatives in their lives. You tell me, talk to me about your first job. Well, I hated my boss. And there was one coworker that was very difficult to get along with. And they'll tell you four bad things before they tell you it was an awesome job. Our tendency to walk away from weakness. Adam says, I was naked, so I hid. I was weak, I was fallen, so I withdrew, I isolated. I want to ask you, how strong are you in isolation? How strong is the team in your withdrawal? When, when we lose the humility of Christ, we lose our strength. When we're struggling with our inabilities, we want to cover up like they did with David. They put on the armor of Saul and he couldn't even walk. In other words, to disguise your weakness renders you paralyzed. And so you'd rather not go through this situation. And I want to show you some examples here. Uh, the first one, King David. I, I don't know what got into King David in the crossroads of his development. I, I gather that we have the same tendency. That once we come to Jesus Christ and once we see the power of the resurrection, we have the tendency to tell God, sit back and watch me do my thing. I'm going to build you a house. Imagine David telling God, I'm going to express my full measure of strength. In 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1, he tells the prophet Nathan, he says, um, 2 Kings, 2 Samuel 7. Um, 2 Samuel 7. He tells it, and it came to pass that the king sat in the house and the Lord had given him rest on all his enemies. So now God, God say with me, God has tranquilized your surrounding. So now I'm going to show myself strong. In verse 2, he says that the king said to the prophet, instead of the prophet speaking to the king, He's strong enough now to tell the prophet what he's going to do. See now, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth with curtains. God's a little weak here. I'm going, to, I'm going to help him out a little bit. God's expression of strength. 
uh, things that I see in God that are weak, I want to tell you tonight that that is where God has chosen to glorify His character. In weakness, not in strength. God is not impressed by what you can do. God is not impressed by your abilities. Because when you couldn't do anything, He did it all. And He wants us to continue in that humility and attitude. And to not do that renders us like that little child trying to lift that barbell. It's not going to happen. So when he says, I'm going to build the Lord a house in verse 3, he says these words. Seeing that God is doing this, the Nathan the prophet says, go and do all that's in your heart. Just show forth your glory, for the Lord is with thee. Well, in the following verse, God addresses the prophet. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, verse 5, go and tell my servant David, David, thus saith the Lord, shalt thou build a house for me to dwell in? You're going to do what? What, what? what are your plans again? What's your design? What's your, what are the thoughts that are lifted up in a direction that has nothing to do with what God wants to do? And basically what God is telling uh, the prophet is, uh, you have no clue. You're totally off key. I don't choose the lofty and the sophisticated. I don't move with the mighty. I have been, I have since the beginning chosen the small and the lowly things of this world. Those things that are not. We need to revisit God. Most often our thoughts are, I can't believe this is going on. Where are you sitting to say that? Where do you sit to say that, that God cannot choose the low things of this world? In verse 6 he says like this, don't you understand Nathan? I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought the children. You remember when you guys were slaves? You remember when you were in Egypt? And even to this day, but I have always expressed myself in the accessibility, the humility, the lowliness of a tent and a tabernacle. It wasn't very attractive. God told Moses specifically how he would design the tabernacle. How many of you would have changed the wallpaper on that thing? It was badger skin. It was totally unattractive. It had nothing to be desired. And God says, don't you understand, for a long time already, that's been my direction. I've walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. Now this is rubbing some of you wrong already. Because God is saying, you follow me, I will not follow you. I am not going to be uh, taking uh, merit in your lofty thoughts because I give grace to the humble. I strengthen the weak. The proud have nothing to do in my presence. No one shall prosper by their own strength. This is why the world calls us crazy. They look at our church nowadays and they say, how do they do it? It's not how we do it, it's how God is doing it. It's how God is moving in our midst in a mighty and powerful way. And we praise and we worship a living God. We're marveled by what he has done the last 15 years. It's an awesome thing to surrender before the Lord. And so in, in this passage, David has to hear uh, 
uh, because God begins to speak. And he says, this is not about what David is going to do for me. This has to do with what I'm going to do for David. And so in verse 7, he says, um, haven't you noticed? Let's go to verse 7. In all the places wherein I have walked with the children of Israel, and I spoke a word with any of the tribes of Israel, whom have I commanded to feed my people? Saying, build me a house. Who have I told that, that I need the, the strength of your creative thought? And I want to tell you something, and, and this, is, this, is, this is because God is moving this way. There's nothing more toxic. There's nothing more problematic. And that's where people get frustrated. A, a, a plenty of people have left the church saying these words, I only wanted to help. Well, God wanted you to stand still and see the glory of God. God wanted you to be still in his presence. And, and it's so difficult for us. It's difficult for us. Um, over the last five years, every time I would tell somebody, uh, don't say nothing. Just watch what God's going to do. But they couldn't help themselves. They had to say something. I said, don't do anything. God's going to move. They had to do something. And they ruined everything. They sent the, the course of God's building and project on a world spin. And now they've totally lost course. And he says, when have I ever asked the people to do something on my behalf? I'm the one that's been doing. Verse 8, he says these words. Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto David, my servant, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was the one that took you when you were back there in that farmland as a little sheep boy. Do you remember where you were when God started this work? Some of us have forgotten. Some of us have forgotten. I, I just spoke to two people this week. They said, Pastor, on, until I left the church and was disconnected for several years, I realized what God was doing in my life. I realized what great advance I had in the work that God had done in my family. We become too familiar. And so David is reminded, David, do you remember when I first found you and you were following some sheep? And I made you a, ru a mighty ruler. I made you a powerful prince over my people. Did you remember that? I put you over all, not three sheep, not a, 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 a flock of sheep. I put you to lead all of Israel. And, and so you, you see the proportions. You see the perspective. If I could only follow God in what he's doing. If only I could, I could see his strength working. If I could only participate with his grace, with his favor. Then I'm able to get to the far extent of what God has for me. In verse 9, he says, And I was with thee wherever you went, and I fought all your enemies. Out of thy sight I eliminated them. I have made thee a great name, like a name of a great man that are in the earth. I've made you prominent. 
I, I lifted you up. It was my strength, not yours. It were my ideas that were there from the beginning of the foundations of the earth. No, no, I got to help God a little bit because if not, things are not going to end up well. And so God is continuing to remind him, I'm the one that has raised you up for such a time as this. I'm the one that has the game plan. I'm the one that has the strength. I'm the one that has the strategy. Verse 10. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel. I will plant them and they may dwell in a place of their own. I'm going to give them their own. They're not going to have to find it. And, I'm, uh, and move no more. They will never be moved. Neither shall the children of the wicked afflict them any more as other times. I will fight their battles. I will defend their interests. I will hold their guard. So difficult. How many say it's difficult? So difficult. God, where are you? God, what are you doing? God, hurry up. Verse 11. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused them to rest from all their enemies, all the Lord tell thee that, that, that he will make thee a house. Um, pretty much David is told, listen, you're not going to build this. And David has complete peace. He says, okay, the Lord doesn't want me to participate. I will gather the construction materials. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be fine. I don't, I don't have to do things. God, God's is sufficient to do things. I'll participate in what I can. Because it could be that you have a short fuse. Oh, they're not going to let me build the house? Well, then I'll go build somebody else a house. I will go build a house for a false god. I will go lift up a false temple. And so that's the attitude that many times we have when we're walking in our own strength, in our own ability. In Deuteronomy 7, verse 7, God has always told his people and reminded them. The Lord did not set his love upon us, nor did he choose us because we were a strong and mighty, more numerable people. For ye were the fewest of all people. I was actually attracted to you because you were asking me for direction. But now that you have drawn a map, now that you have lifted your voice, now that you're filled in the confidence of your own strength, I could check out a little bit. I could remove myself. Because I chose you from the beginning because you were weak. I chose you because you were few. I chose you because you were insignificant. In verse 8 he says, he put his, but because the Lord loved us. It's his motivation. It's his drive. It's not your zeal. No, I'm just zealous for the good things. I'm zealous for the right things. I want, what, what, what? Let the Lord come in. Let the Lord have his way. Let the Spirit of God move. Let God build the house. Jesus says, I will build the church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. And so many people that have so many opinions, I go around the world telling people to shut up. Only because I'm a messenger of the Lord. And in Ecclesiastes 5.5 5, it says, when you enter the house of the Lord, shut your mouth. Enter in to listen. 
Because it's listening to God. It's better it is that thou shouldest not open your mouth than thou shouldest open your mouth and then not know what you're doing. Better it is not to vow. Verse 6. Better to vow... It says, do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the works of your hand? Why, why do you want to contradict God? God is moving. His spirit is moving. He operates in faith, the impossible. I remember when I was writing my book, I couldn't write. So some lady says, I'm going to help you write your book. And I said, I got excited. And we went into my conference room and I, I grabbed like a thousand scribbled up notebooks and papers and, and I, I was all excited. I put it in front of her and she's like, this is never going to be a book. Because she was walking in her strength and in her knowledge. But guess what? There's a book. Amen. And it's being a blessing to all the nations. Yeah. Because it's a move of God's spirit. It's not our strength. It's not our ability. And when people see that, they, they, if they don't understand the world-changing strength of God's grace, of his presence, of faith, of love, of hope, of the face of God, helping those that cannot help themselves. He's not looking for strong and mighty men. He's looking for men willing to acknowledge their weakness so he could be glorified. In his strength. And that, that is backward thinking. Backward thinking to this world. That is going into uh, destruction. Is perishing. I recall Jesus being the perfect example of not altering the order of God and the systems of eternity. When he is in Matthew 4 verse 3. The tempter comes and says, if you are mighty, if you are powerful, if you are this, then convert this stone to bread. Do something. I was telling the men yesterday that we're all dying to do something. How many want to do something? We all want to do something. And God doesn't want us to do anything. God wants us to be someone. God wants us to be his people. But I want to do something. No, well, God, it's good that you want to do something, but God wants you to be something. Because when you do something, you only do it at that moment. And then when you leave, you're somebody else. But if you are someone, it doesn't matter where you go, you represent his character. You represent humility. You represent forgiveness. You represent love. You represent Christ. As Christ is in this world, so are we. In herein is love perfect. That we would walk and do things like Christ would do. He wasn't in a hurry. And when the devil came to him and he says, hurry, you got the power. Change this into bread. He says, no, man shall not live. He pointed to God. Man shall not live on bread alone. Verse 4. He answered, it is written. I don't have to do anything to prove I'm anybody. I'm living off what God wants me to do. He's shooting the game plan. But by every word that proceeds out of his mouth, we're quick to do a thousand things. Who asked you? I was just helping. I was just helping. God wants you to be quick to listen. And to listen what his direction is. Because he has a very peculiar way to move. Verse 5. 
The devil took him to a high place. He says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Do something. Show your power. For you can rest on God. You can do something. The first time he says, you can't turn the stone. And the second time he says, you can. You can't, you can. And all the time, Jesus pointed to God. He says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to challenge God's game plan. In verse 8, the devil took him to a very high mountain. And he says, all the kingdoms of the earth belong to me. And their splendor, their glory. All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, away with you. Verse 10, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. I'm not going to go elsewhere. Just because I could do something elsewhere. I'm going to find myself in a trap. I'm going to find myself in a bind before God. The Bible says in verse 11, the devil left him alone. And suddenly the angels came and were able to minister to him. When we come to God and we see the power of the resurrection, we think we could do anything. Because God has already taken care of our woes. And we're going fast as we can. And Paul was like that. His list of strength in Philippians chapter 3 verse 13. Three, I believe. He starts saying all his strength. Verse 4. He says, we have decided to walk not in the confidence of the flesh. If anyone thinks that he has strength in the flesh, I'm more than you. If you think you could be useful in God's hands, I could be much more useful. And I have decided, verse 5, he says, For my strength is that I'm circumcised on the eighth day. I've been keeping the word of God since I was eight days old. I belong to the lineage of the Israel, the stock and the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew chosen among the chosen. Concerning the law, I know it like the back of my hand. I'm a lawyer, I'm a Pharisee. Concerning seal, I persecuted the church. Concerning righteousness, I was living according to the law blameless. Verse 7. But all these things that were my strength, I've counted loss so that Christ might be seen. All the things I can do, I'm going to enter in to God's order to see His glory. I tell that to wives all over the world. All you have to do is take the posture of His strength with His obedience, submission, humility. You will see God's strength. You will see his glory. And all the women that have gotten up to say, no, I'm prepared, I'm equipped, I'm fascinating, I will show it down, come to nothing. Their glory is shameful. Verse 8, he says like this, yet, indeed, I also count all things. Say with me, all things. Because I'm not talking about some things. God is not saying some things. It's all things that are our strength. We count them loss for the excellence of finding out the knowledge of Christ for whom I've suffered all things and the loss of all things and count them as garbage so that I might see God's power, so I might see his glory. These are strong words to be spoken because later on we see that he counted all these things loss so that he might see the strength and then he's convinced in Philippians 4.13 Therefore, since I've already made the transaction, since I have it in my heart as as a principle of humility, now anything that comes my way, I can challenge. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to have access to the character of God. 
I'm going to have access to the presence of God. When I feel uh, distraught, when I feel hindered, when I feel hurt, I'm not phased. I got the presence of peace. I'm not hurt in my ego. Say ego. How many have an ego? That's your strength. And when God says, hey, hey, put that aside because I'm going to show you my strength. You're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build a house. You say amen now, but you, you know that's not what you feel like when the, when the rubber meets the road. When the actual thing happens, they don't like me. They don't appreciate me. They don't know who I am. They don't know what I have. I'm not valued. That's all your strength. Lay it down. Because you'll be like that little kid. You'll be like that child who's trying to do something in your own strength. You will lose the grace of God. You will become toxic in your thinking. All that stuff is the measure of ego. And all that expression, no humility. And all that strength is depleted and gone. And what could be your strength, which is humility... What could be your strength, which is obedience. What could be your strength is coming under the shadow of the Most High God. It's no longer there anymore when we're walking in our own strength. Cynicism, hypocrisy, murmuring, gossiping, ill will, all these things. The enemies of God's people begin to multiply and overtake us and devour us. So he says, I can do all things. Because Christ is giving me strength. Not to do the thing. Maybe to not do it. And have joy. Maybe to not do it. And have patience. And let patience have its perfect work. That's the strength of God. That's the virtue of his excellence. So Paul would pray to the Ephesian church. In Ephesians 3.16. And say I pray that out of his glorious provision. How many know God has provision? If, if, if we don't offer God our provision, he, he runs out, right? They're like, Lord, I, I just wanted to help. Lord, I just wanted to help. They, they didn't want my help. What, what is the measure of your provision that you think if it doesn't come, the, the work of God ceases? An idea, a thought, a strength, a participation. You guys, um, you see people all the time. We, we try to have the men trained up in character being ushers. And when they're asked to, to listen, um, this is not about, <sighs> this is about, hmm. This is about just, just serve. Be, be present. No, no, no. I want to I do something. Yeah, but the Lord wants you to be still. The Lord wants to see his strength in you. And he says, according to the great provisions of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man. Self-control, patience, love, suffering. It's a lot easier to tell somebody to go to hell. I can give them a piece of my mind. It's a lot easier to tell somebody they really rubbed me wrong. Than to sit back and sit there and say, well, let's, let's just wait on God. Let's see what God's going to do. Let's just, just let's, let's, let's entrust it to the Lord's spirit. Colossians chapter 1 verse 11, he says the bounds of our strength in fulfilling God's call is necessary. He says that you might strengthen 
with all the might of God. Let's start in verse 10. Um, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully. How many want to fully please Him? Being fruitful in every good work, in increase and in the knowledge of God. I want to grow. I want to be useful. And I've realized to be youthful is to worship and see God at work more. Verse 11, he says that you might walk in this strength with all might. Whose might is it? Could I, could I please tell me? God's might. The strengthen with all might. Where is it coming from? From God. According to his glorious power. For all patience. Putting up with things. In the spirit of joy. No, no, no. Listen to me. You can tell me to put up. I don't have to be happy about it. I'm putting up. But I don't, I'm not joyful. So he says no. With all long suffering and patience and joy. Verse 12. Giving thanks. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. I wanted to build you a house. You said no. Thank you Lord. You must have other plans. You must have other provision. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Who has qualified giving thanks to God? Who has made us partakers of his inheritance? In light, verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son of his love. So, okay, we know. Please, please go back to the time where you were in the world. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to take care of it, I'm going to go, and, and, and you're in darkness. And he says he's transferred you from the power of darkness and conveyed us to the kingdom of love, of the son of his love. And here, verse 14, we have redemption, we have the blood to forgive us, his blood, the forgiveness of sin, verse 15. The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation, we're doing things like if Christ was here. We're, there's no animosity, there's no hate, there's no backbiting, there's no bitterness, there's no walking in, in attitudes that, that contradict our profession. He has transferred us. 1 Timothy chapter 1, this is where, um, chapter 1 verse 12, this is where Paul says, since I learned this, since I was able to grasp this, I was able to be counted as a servant of the Lord. You can't serve the Lord in your own strength. You're going to get bitter. You're going to resent. He says, I give thanks to God. I give thanks to Christ, Jesus our Lord, who enabled me. He permitted me. You have to be allowed. Because he counted me faithful, he allowed me to be in the ministry. Because I took a heart of, of grace. I took the strength of graciousness, of humility, of weakness. He says, you can be part of the team. You're going to be part of the ones that build. Well, what was Paul before? Verse 13. Because before, although before I was a blasphemer, I was always accusing people, I was always proud, but I obtained mercy because I did it without knowing and unbelief. I didn't believe God was doing his work. I was doing his work. I was doing the work. When you're doing the work, listen to me. There's going to be fruits of you doing the work. What are the fruits? Could you guys tell me? Everything, bitterness, contention, backbiting, the, the, the frustration, the lack of grace. 
that nobody understands me. He says, and the grace of the Lord, verse 14, it's this grace that comes upon us. The grace of the Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith. I believe the work was going on. I would believe God was going to finish what he started. And that love which are in Christ, I tapped into it. Nothing is greater than our expression of love to those that surround us while we're doing the work of God. He's been saying this since 1 Chronicles 16, 11, That we're to seek the Lord and seek to tap in to His strength. I want you to memorize this verse, por favor. 1 Chronicles 16, 11. Seek the Lord in every situation. Defer to God. Seek His strength. Not your strength. Not your ability. Not your thoughts. Not your ways. Seek His face always. He's been telling His people the whole time. Exodus 14, 14. He told Moses, The Lord will fight for you. All you need to do is to be still. Hold your peace. Why are you losing your peace? Because you're walking in your own strength. If you were walking in God's strength, you would have peace that would last a lifetime. You would never lose your peace. You get so uptight, so tightly wound. King Kong. What are you trying to do? Are you want a visitation of God? You want God to continue to work? The Spirit of God that's a dove that will come? You need to be in His strength, His power, His love. The Lord will fight for you. All you have to do is be still. Isaiah 30, 15, this is what the Sovereign Lord has always been saying. The Holy One of Israel, as you return, see, because what we're doing is we're running. As you return and you chill, you shall be saved. As you rest in quietness and in a confidence that God is on your behalf shall be your strength. But you refused. That's what it says in the verse. I'm teaching you the Lord is, is pouring out His goodness tonight. I want to be your strength. I want to be your source. I want to, I, th this is not about what you're adding to the table. I got it all figured out, the Lord says. Isaiah 45, 22, he says, turn to me and be saved. All you ends of the earth, for I am God and no one else is. I am the fury and pure essence of strength and no one else is. And we're losing our capacity to see the glory of God when we do not have a character that walks in peace, in joy, in love, in grace, in, in, in an attitude of a fragrance that's non-toxic. We must be careful because the full work is His. We're able to partake as long as we walk in His strength and not our own. We ask the ushers to come forward as we participate in the Lord's Supper tonight. And I, I want to also ask the worship team to come forward. And I hope that you receive the word of the Lord and you could say amen. amen. I receive the word of the Lord.
It's his ways, it's his thoughts that allow us to see the glory of God in his great works. Psalm 77 verse 11, which is the verse that represents our anniversary this week. It says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Whose works are they? The Lord's works. We marvel at what he has done. Anything we've done in our own strength, like, man, you don't know how hard it is to be a pastor for 15 years, man. You don't know what it is. Listen to me. That's a bunch of baloney. It's his work. It's his grace. It's his goodness. It's his refreshing presence. We could not do anything he's called us to do in, in our own strength, in our own ability. Nobody understands me. I wanted to. I was going. My, my, my help my participation, my strength. Listen, if you're tired, if you're withdrawn, if you're isolated, if you're hurt, all that stuff has to be put on the cross. All that stuff has to be put away because it was never about you in the first place. It was never about you in the first place. It's all the glory to God. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonder that you've been doing since the beginning of time. Verse 12, he says, this will be my meditation. I will meditate on all your work and talk of all your deeds. Where are you there? I don't see you there. I don't see you there. Our works are nothing but filthy rags in his presence. Trying to offer up our participation. Let's give it all to God. And allow His grace to continue to be poured out so His strength in us allows us to do more of His work. Right, Domingo? Hallelujah. Father, we thank You for this table here tonight. It represents Your body that was broken for us. And the cup that represents Your blood. We pray, Father God, that You would bless these elements as we remember again what You have done. The glory